0: Welcome to Food Feels and Banana Peels. I'm your host, Laura Pfeiffer. Thanks for joining me. This podcast is all about providing a different perspective on health and disease for you to consider. It's about inspiring you to take control of your own health, advocate for yourself, and be curious about how you can support yourself holistically and naturally, so you can live each day happier and healthier than the last. Today, I am so honoured to be speaking with a wonderful soul, friend, mentor, teacher, the lovely Kylie Delfino. Kylie, I am going to let you introduce yourself today because I'm not going to do it justice. Kylie, welcome. Thanks so much, Laura. Oh
1: my gosh, it's so great to connect with you. And it's so great to see you sharing, you know, foods, feels and banana peels with the world and really looking at those different options of addressing our health outside of that mainstream box. So thank you. I'm really delighted. My friend,
0: you have so, so much to tell us and educate us on today. Tell us a little bit about you. Okay, so as you know, my background is in holistic
1: health and nutrition, which is where we met more than 15 years ago. And uh, for the longest time, I worked in cancer care through the Ottawa Integrative Cancer Centre. We did a lot of clinical trials. That was to do a lot of blind studies to to bring more of a natural approach to oncology treatments. And that's simple things like we know that acupuncture can limit Edema for somebody that's had lymph node surgery, simple things. But for us to use that in mainstream medical, we required double blind studies and so forth. And that was my role at the Auto Integrated Cancer Centre and the Regional Cancer Centre for 12 years. And I loved it, loved every single moment of it, an extraordinary area and field to work in. And then around 2015, I had my own health crisis, which put a pause on my career for a few years. And that experience, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later on, is what led me to look at treating more than just the physical body. So, after my journey of my little health crisis, um, I became involved with an institution um, called the Hoffman Institute in California. And it is a psychology in program that is a seven to 10 day program that is designed for high-functioning adults that are dealing with and processing childhood trauma. So as we know that there is a big link between people's ACE scores and their adult health. And what I have learned through working, uh, this is actually a division of Berkeley University in um, California. And through the research that's been unfolding in the last five to six years, We really know just how much our emotional state of being and our vibrational presence, the impact that has on our physical health. That's full circle for me from dealing with the body to then moving into um, working with the mind and the body to find physical homeostasis.
0: You are doing some very, very important work right now, my friend. We are on the precipice of of huge changes right now. And that's what Food Feels and Banana Peels is trying to help people to understand that we are so much more than our physical bodies. Kylie, you talked about high-functioning individuals. Can you elaborate on that a little bit in case listeners aren't sure exactly what you mean? High-functioning individuals processing emotional traumas from their childhoods.
1: Okay, so childhood trauma can manifest in several ways, but the bookends tend to be at one end um, addiction and numbing out to the experience. And on the other end, it tends to be extreme high functionality. So high achievement. It is people that if you think of it in two two different directions where the childhood experiences were simply too much to process. So the person numbs out. And at the other end, it's like that person becomes so highly competent and independent, which is very good. They become very um, competent individuals, but it can feel very hollow. And often it can lead to burnout and so many things along the way, which you and I see often, whether it be through nutrition or energy work, where people have literally just hit their psychological and emotional limit and the body says, stop, I need
0: Enter our physical health challenges that we have both (laughs) experienced firsthand. Kylie, tell us about some of the challenges on your journey. You've had a different um, experience than many of us with your physical health.
1: So I had um, enjoyed very good health for, um, and, and I believe a lot of that was working in the industry of holistic health eating well, exercising, teaching yoga, teach, teaching stand-up paddling, being active, being a meditation teacher. Like there was a full integration of my values and beliefs around good health and my behaviours. So it was truly shocking to me in 2015. I was actually sitting with a client and she said, Kylie, I think you're having a stroke. And I went, Oh. I I feel fine and I went into the washroom and realised the whole right side of my face had dropped and initially, immediately, I had thought, oh, it's it's Bell's palsy that would make the most sensible, you know, uh, assessment of the situation. So I phoned my family doctor, saw her that afternoon on the way home from work and she's like, yes, no problem, Bell's palsy, viral, it'll pass through. Well, four days later, I couldn't raise my arms, I couldn't speak, I couldn't swallow, I lost my vision, and within a period of three weeks, I was in complete paralysis through the right side
0: of my heart.
1: So it was shocking and completely unexpected, and at the time, I didn't feel there was warning signs, but looking back, realising that there was fatigue building and a few things that I probably didn't pay enough attention to, but became acknowledgeable after the fact. So luckily for me, I had quite a quick diagnosis. Within 10 months, they were able to diagnose the disease as myasthenia gravis, which is a neuromuscular disease, much like multiple sclerosis. Yet once the body goes into deterioration and paralysis with periods of times of rest, the muscle structure rebuilds itself and is usable again. Okay. Thankfully, that is a God-saving grace. Yes. Um, And for me personally, initially it was very difficult to diagnose as most chronic autoimmune obscure conditions are, I'm sure anybody listening to this can relate to it and I can tell you in my 12 years at the Cancer Centre how many times people were like, I've been trying to have this diagnosed for years or there's been um, a series of symptoms that is on a spectrum but not a clear definitive diagnosis, which I think really becomes very um, a psychological burden for people to go through. Yes. Do the doctors believe me? Am I being a hypochondriac? Like we become unsure of what it is we are experiencing. And I think that is one of the most important things when it comes to our own health is we have to advocate the experience we are having and share that with our medical team, not hand over complete control to our medical team and passively engage in the treatment. It has to be a choice and a decision of the patient.
0: Absolutely. Kylie, yes, I have spoken with several people now who have pointed out that autoimmune is involved in in their illnesses. It's diagnosed quite regularly. Apparently, more women suffer from autoimmune disease than men. And that is definitely a message that all of us are trying to get across to people is we need to advocate for ourselves. Handing our power over to anyone completely disempowers ourselves. So it's so important when we know something is not right, we know our bodies to a certain extent. And when something is not right, we have to advocate to dig deeper. Absolutely. So I have two questions for you. Number one, leading up to this time where your health severely deteriorated, where you would you say that your stress levels were high? Where were your stress levels at that point?
1: Extremely high, extremely high, and I would say even more so that my emotional state of being was completely in a state of dysregulation. To go from I am fully in control of my health, my body, my life, my career, to instantaneously I cannot speak, I cannot swallow, I cannot see, I cannot move. So fully functioning internally in the mind but with the body that is not willing to cooperate, doctors not knowing what it is and extreme invasive procedures being discussed as the next option all the way along. And what I found was I kept acquiescing going, yes, 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 two more drugs, two more chemotherapy, two more surgeries, two more options that fingers crossed, might help. And honestly, for me, Laura, um, and I say it is not to persuade anybody else in their health journey, but I know I gave up complete control in the beginning. I literally said, throw anything you can at this. I want to live. And then mentally and emotionally I got into a space where it was like, if you've taken so much from me, end this. And literally for six months, it was like, I don't want to live. I don't want to live. I want this to be over. I want this to be finished. There was no improvement or advancement happening in my health. And then in mid-2016, I went into a respiratory crisis. I did flatline and I had to be resuscitated back to life. And that wow. was a massive turning point for me and an extraordinary experience. Um, a profound experience for me and the shift for me going that healing not only happens through our physical form, but it happens through our energetic bodies as well. And when this happened in 2015, 2016, you know, that was a bit of an out there concept, but here we are in the mid-2020s and we're realising that vibration, emotional acuity, our parasympathetic nervous system, our polyvagal nerve, our emotional state of being has more to do with our health than our cellular DNA.
0: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you are doing so many amazing studies right now and supporting Mm -hmm. people in bringing this to more people's awareness, which is so important right now. I really feel that the the shift that we need is to a system whereby our allopathic and our naturopathic medicines can come together. This is the way of health and happiness for people of the future.
1: It's wholeness, right? Yes. It's a whole and holistic approach. And we we have looked at the systems within the body separately for so long I mean just look at any health system in any developed country you have a gastroenterologist you have a neurologist you have a hematologist you have all of these different specialties that are looking myopically at one area of the body and it isn't until a functional medicine doctor can pull back that lens look at all of the body systems to get the physical body into alignment but it doesn't stop there we have to have the vibrational resonance the consistent vibrational resonance of emotional regulation for our sympathetic parasympathetic and polyvagal nerve within our body to be in a state that is reciprocal of fight and flight rest and digest right? Once people go into autoimmune, polyvagal nerve runs one way and we are stuck in fight and flight. Another thing that people don't pay attention to or may not even be aware of is we're aware of fight and flight, rest and digest, but there's also a third response called fawn. Fight, flight and fawn. And fawning is where people, often kinesthetic people, become caretakers outside of themselves, where people are regulating to the external world. If I do this, I will be loved. If I contribute this, I will be of value and worth. So metaphysically, depending on where we are focusing our energy, is it focused on the external looking for validation, feedback? a validation of who we are, what we are contributing, what we are worth? Or are we regulating internally to what are my needs and am I meeting them first? And this people pleasing, fawning, this whole array and spectrum of behaviours is often the response from your early childhood experience. And just before we go into early childhood here, because every time we talk about this, it was inevitably a parent that goes, oh, my God, am I traumatising my child? (laughs) It is not the case. Childhood trauma is experienced through the individual And yes, there is child abuse. Yes, there is terrible trauma that happens to children along the way. But even in a very normal household, because we are children, we are undeveloped at that time, mostly nonverbal between those years of one to six. What happens is we create stories within our minds in the subconscious. And the little stories that we create can become our reality. And that can function but nominally, well, having survival patterns, which are established in those years, can often see you through your teens, 20s, 30s quite well. But then suddenly, when you get into a more mature, energetic age, hmm, it's not working so much. Where most people have their reckoning with literally, where am I on my priority list? How well am I taking care of myself? And the irony is I've seen so many people that are so fitness focused, so health Mm -hmm. focused, food focused, yet never once have they chosen to meet their means first. They will always acquiesce. They will always hand over power. So to me, the very first part of taking control of your health is asking that question, where are you regulating to? Are you looking to the external for validation and confirmation? Or are you getting quiet and actually going within, taking the time to name what it is that you are experiencing and then acting from that place? We come from a generation where, particularly for women, we were taught, don't just stand there, do something. You know, be contribute, be competent respond and respond with confidence the minute we are faced with a health crisis I would say do the exact opposite don't just do something stand there digest what is happening process what is happening and then from a conscious place choose your behavioral response Yet when we're not in touch with our subconscious, we are in a reactionary. I need to do that to respond. I need to do that to respond. So it's slowing down the response, processing the emotion, and then choosing what is the best course
0: of action for the individual. Highly, that's insightful and deep and beautiful and sums up so much of what I believe that, we need in society right now, we need this focus to come inside of ourselves. When we begin to acknowledge and process and change ourselves, we are going to create such a different vibration on the earth. And what I don't see as often as i would like right now is people understanding that concept that what is inside of me needs to change in order for what is outside of me to change well in
1: psychology that is the only way it can work we have to whatever whatever we are experiencing internally emotionally, whatever our emotional state is, it can be masked to the external, but for the individual, the external will always be a mirror to their internal experience. And once again, much of our hidden subconscious beliefs come from that early childhood programming. If you've watched two parents that, hmm, As a child, hmm, mum gets her needs met by getting very, very angry. Then suddenly you have a child getting very, very angry to get their needs met. Or the reverse. Hmm. Quiet retreat is what, you know, this parent does in this situation. And if I do the same, everything is peaceful and calm. Ultimately, every individual wants to experience safety and love fundamentally everything that drives our subconscious behaviors will lead us to what we believe is safety and makes us feel loved and if I can just sort of digress into an example here um, where um, and I do have permission to share this with one of our research um, uh, participants So this was a young lady in her late 30s, early 40s who her family had been very concerned that she had had an eating disorder since the birth of her second child. Doctors had been treating it. She was seeing psychiatric help for it. And as she came in as a participant to the research program, through hypnosis and meditation, we were able to go down into the subconscious and understand why her eating behaviours had changed so dramatically since the birth of her second child. So first and foremost, going into meditation was her ability to relive a very, Mm -hmm. very frightening birth trauma. So she nearly died giving birth to her youngest son, the child nearly died. And to go through a long, a long therapy session to make it short, The woman had been experiencing, you know, in pregnancy when you are full to the diaphragm, that feeling of full, 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 just about to give birth. So first birth was absolutely fine. So she wasn't in a stressed or an anxious state going into it. But then as soon as things started to get into a critical condition, anxiety, stress, as I said, she nearly died through the process. So did the child. During that process, everybody left the operating theatre, left her well alone. So she was alone on the table by herself. And after coming out of this 40-hour ordeal of a birth trauma, no room or space to say, how are you doing? Aren't you lucky you have a healthy baby boy? And again, this is something that I don't think gets talked about often and so what had happened was her subconscious had programmed that tight feeling of food full to the diaphragm. Her body was never going to allow her to do that because the subconscious had made the correlation. When I feel full like that, trauma is about to ensue. Wow. So within a matter of six weeks of being able to separate the trauma to the story the subconscious had connected within the mind, she gained 15 pounds in weight, eating freely, no more trauma around the situation. And ultimate byproduct was a changed relationship with her youngest son as well. But it was the first time in nine years that she had been able to talk of the birth trauma. But that's just to me a very powerful um, experience of we can go through an experience. Emotionally, how we process in the stories we tell ourselves through it will determine where the subconscious will allow us to go physically after that event. And if people are interested to look into this connection more, um, Dr. Bessel van der Kolk and uh, Peter Levine uh, talks a lot about the somatic holding of trauma in the body. So I think it's a fascinating area because sometimes we can be experiencing tightness, fatigue, different things in the body. Often it is the subconscious protecting us from something that was once uncomfortable.
0: And yet again, the power of the emotions over our entire being. 95% of what we hold is subconscious. So we, we rely so much on our logical minds in this society. We've been trained that the logical mind is the most powerful. And you and I had a discussion prior to beginning recording. That's actually not the case. No, it's not. In fact, whatever the subconscious
1: is committed to, behaviors will follow. So it, it's, it's literally the root of cognitive dissonance. It's the person that continues to smoke, knowing that it is not good for their health yet physically the inhalation it's slowing and calming of the breath and incidentally like nicotine the biochemical effects of addiction is out of the body within 48 hours after that it is a psychological okay. habitual connection and we often when we talk about emotions An incredible tool that I give for anybody is a feeling wheel. And I'm sure many people listening will be familiar with this tool. My experience through the Hoffman Institute was extraordinary to me, the amount of adults that could not name the emotional experience they are having. And as we progress through higher levels of stress, which we can't avoid in our day-to-day life, Right? Psychologically, we tend to come down to several feelings of happy, sad, surprise, disgust, bad, fearful, or angry. That seems to be the predominant seven emotions that people can identify. But here's the thing if you're angry because you've been let down and feel betrayed by that, it's quite a different anger that. You are feeling angry because you're feeling aggressive and hostile at a person. So our cognitive mind will jump to the primary emotion. Yes, I feel I feel surprised. And it could be that I'm surprised because I'm a little confused and perplexed about what's happening, or I'm surprised because I'm excited and feeling a big buzz of energy because of what's happening. But when we just clump things down to, oh, I feel surprised or I feel, often people say, I just feel bad. So naming what it is that you are experiencing and something that's become very prevalent through the research project in the last two years is anybody that cultivates a sacred self-connection time every single day, so the moment you wake up, When you choose to whatever it is for you, whether it is meditation, journaling, the purpose of that sacred self-connection time is to bring both parts of the frontal lobe brain into present moment. Now, our vibrational energy and our health get scattered when the mind is ruminating events from the past or anxiously trying to manipulate a future outcome. So when we are ruminating past events or trying to manipulate future outcomes, one side of our executive function is actually asleep. When we bring the mind into the present moment, literally on an MRI, both parts of the brain light up and you have full cognizance in the present moment. Now, that's the psychological terms for it, How I would describe it is when you make the time for sacred self-connection time in the morning, what's happening is you're awakening your witness, that wise inner being, that part of your intellect that can observe. And the moment you do that, it connects with your inner child. So if we think of the cognitive mind as that observer and the subconscious mind as the inner child, When we take the time to get still, connect with those two parts of our mind physically and energetically, you are in the present moment for the rest of the day. And as you get to work and it's like, oh, my God, yes, that happened yesterday and I didn't finish it, as anxiety builds or negative emotional arousal, you can bring yourself back into that present moment and the way we teach um, through Hoffman and through other institutes is instead of cognitive and subconscious, which is kind of clinical, it is using that wise inner being, which is the part of our intellect that observes. And our inner child is the emotional experience that we have. And most people are in emotional detachment when they can't reach that inner child.
0: That is such a goldmine of information and you have simplified it into terms that anyone and everyone can understand. This is sometimes where I think it can be very challenging for people because when we talk in these psychological terms and this medical terminology, and it can become very complicated. And you've simplified it to the cognitive brain and the inner child, those two parts of us working together in unison. And I love the way that you talked about the sacred time, creating sacred space for yourself. Since 2020, when I came out of the hospital, I have found for myself, when I root myself down in the morning, I do some movement of my body to move energy through. I have a meditation practice, uh, just self-reflection time. My day is set up so differently. And those days that I miss it, I miss it and I am on this an emotional morning. train half the time. Yes. I'm on I'm on a crazy emotional train and it's like why didn't yes. I take the time this morning to do this, to anchor and ground.
1: And it simply is that anchoring and that grounding. And what is extraordinary about this is it is so simple. Yet people find it so difficult to commit to. And this is an interesting thing again behaviorally. We think that Boom, change is created through courage. (laughs) If we have courage and we push through, right, I have the courage, I am going to commit to this and I am going to make it happen. Well, in psychology, there is always an an action, so a behaviour and a state of mind that precedes the next. If you don't have commitment... Your courageous spirit has nothing to anchor into. So if you just say, I'm going to be courageous, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this every day for the next 10 days and blah, blah, blah. If you're not committed to it, you will always be pulled away from it. So behavioral shifts and change starts with commitment. And then once you have the commitment, you have the courage to follow through. And as you continue to follow through, it creates a consistent and congruent practice, which perpetuates more commitment. So we are taught and have been taught predominantly because most of the psychology for 140 years since we began to talk about the subconscious mind has always been rooted in is that the mind will override the body. That is not the case. We feel emotion through the parasympathetic nervous system. It then goes to the brain and it is happening before we can even name what we are experiencing. And if we are not internally referenced, don't have a sacred self connection time every single day. You will be pulled out of that space of peace and grounding and conscious response every moment. Can I just
0: give a quick tip? Everyone listening is going to benefit so much from all of this info. Tip away, Kylie. You know, you are a yoga teacher as well, right?
1: You know, when we do, um, when we come into Namaste, into the heart center, the fact when we press those two palms together, when we arm and the tonsils vibrate in the back of the throat, it hits the pituitary gland, activates both frontal lobes. We are in the present moment. Right. You're not thinking about your grocery list when you're in the middle of an arm. Right. Right. Now, you might not be able to do that in a boardroom. Okay, right? But here is something. If you find yourself in a situation where emo- you might be getting a little bit of a negative emotional arousal, there's a little bit of anxiousness, worry, anxiety, you take your tongue and press it to the roof of the mouth. You inhale. And as you exhale, you relax the jaw, you relax the throat. Now, when we have someone in an MRI and do that, both parts of the frontal lobe light it brings you into the present moment. Another thing that does it, and you'll watch children or people in shock do it intuitively, hand to the heart. When you bring your hand to the heart, It actively engages that energy centre of the soul plexus, the inner child, and the crown chakra of the wise inner being, which is the witness and the observer that is saying, pretty much becomes the new parent within. And basically says we're okay, everything is calm, we are in the present moment. Because when we're in the present moment, we're not telling ourselves stories of the past and we're not manipulating a future outcome. It literally brings us into that whole space right here, right now in this moment in this breath
0: it's a simple gesture that any person can do anytime both of those things hand to heart tongue to the roof of the mouth closed energy circuit with the hands at the heart and the breath and the ohm
1: and these are simple
0: things that we have an
1: epidemic of children living in anxiety right? And they're not taught self-regulation. They're not taught emotional and vibrational soothing. Um, If anything, we've raised and developed a generation of toxic trauma dumping and just trauma dumping, like just telling your story does not clear trauma. If anything, it re embeds it. Agreed. What clears trauma? is when you feel the mind dragging into the past event or manipulating the future outcome and you pull things into that present moment, on a physical and scientific and psychological level, it brings you into the present moment. But on a metaphysical level, it shifts karma. So people think karma is good and bad. No, karma is the repeated response that feels comfortable for the individual. That is what karma. It is repetitive energy, repetitive behaviour. When you stop, pause and show up differently emotionally, you shift your karma. And every time you pause in that moment of a survival pattern being triggered off, and you bring yourself into the present moment, it's like, no, I am here, that is the past, that is the future. This is what I have to deal with in this present moment. What happens in that space is you can't be in a state of negative emotional arousal. It brings kinesthetically the entire body, mind, spirit, and soul into an exhale.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Again, from that point, is where we can choose our conscious response.
0: So bringing ourselves into harmony in the present moment essentially helps us to rectify some of the karmic burden that we're carrying. Can we talk a little bit about karma and behavioral patterns? Yeah. Because people may not be familiar with the fact that the this situation presents. And my reactive behavioural patterns, I react a certain way. And then this keeps happening to me. Why does this keep happening over and over again? Well, that's what your sacred self-connection
1: time is. When you sit there in the morning and you are in conversation with yourself. Yesterday, this experience happened at work. I reacted this way. It made me feel. There's not often that we get to be in conversation with ourselves. And to me, it is far more powerful than cognitive behavioural therapy, where you are just telling somebody else your trauma and reliving it. It's such a, to me, I think such an archaic form of treatment. Um, Now, this is the space for us to get a little bit out there. Um, And I would... From my death experience, um, it opened up a world and experience to me, as I said, where um, it is more than our physical experience on this physical plane. And it's been nine years for me now, and in that time, I have been an avid studier of what we call planetary humanistic cycles. And this is a lot of the studies that is rooted by Richard Tarnas, an exceptional, exceptional psychologist who, in the 1960s, um, he was at Berkeley and was horrified to learn that um, Freud had based the 12 states of human consciousness on the 12 zodiacal signs of astrology. And it's like, what? This is so he set out to prove this wrong. And here we are now in the mid-2020s, and he has proven it to be 100% right. So just going back a little bit here, right? Astrology, or let's go back to human consciousness. We're talking all the way back to Babylonian times, 5,000 years ago. Whether it was the Babylonians, whether it was the Indian continent, whether it was Chinese, Egyptian, Taltic, Mayan, Every single one of these cultures looked to the sky for guidance for greater than us, right? Those 12 zodiac signs are the root of all Roman and Greek mythology. They are the root of every archetype that is rooted in our subconscious because it has been the myth of verbal cultures that have passed along, the hero, the villain, the martyr, the nurturer. So these are pre-programmed states of consciousness in our collective psyche. So Freud brought this um, 140 years ago, at the turn of the century, Freud brought this into the consciousness. So if we look into each of these states of consciousness, it will explain what drives our behaviors. Then his student Carl Jung comes along 30 years later and says, Well, what about the collective experience? And that is where the electromagnetic energy of planets also affects our human existence here on Earth. So when we merge the two together, and I know it sounds unusual because most people, when they think of astrology, they think of horoscope astrology. Hey, Leo, you're going to meet the love of your life on Saturday <laughs> night, 9 p.m. <laughs> you know that was a 1960s um you know and spire brought that into um consciousness in the 60s because it was like little snippets that could be put into the newspaper um after my death experience with what i had seen there it really put me into a deep study and if you'd have said to me in 2016 laura that i would be working through two universities on a research project looking at the precognition of the subconscious mind measuring vibrations that are sent from the heart center and from our um, uh, humanistic brain I mean first of all I can't believe that I get the opportunity (laughs) second of all that we are moving in the direction I mean 20 years ago this was so fringe so out there so esoteric it was almost on the edge of dark arts right for sure mm-hmm. but yeah. what we are realizing now um, and again through a lot of the work of richard thomas like when we look at the um uh, x1 flares that we've been experiencing when things are measurable in our human day-to-day life that is affected by the archetypes of these energies For example, the X1 flares that we are having this year that the sun is in um, an 11 year cycle where the electromagnetic poles are turning and that creates enormous electromagnetic energy that moves through the universe and just last weekend we had one which coincided with the 7.8 magnitude earthquake in Japan. And what NASA measured on that sun explosion was 7000 times more powerful than the atomic bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Wow. So when we're talking about this, it's, you know, for years, the ancients looked at this, Um, it is been a part of our collective psyche for 5,000 years. These pre-programmed archetypes, these cycles that we naturally go through. I mean, in North America in January, we know it's going to be cold. We know it's going to be, but it's not going to be that in Australia. There are natural biorhythms to Mother Nature. I sincerely believe that in our human form, we are surrounded by a field of infinite potential that is passive we have to engage in it to interact with it but there are energies there that can help us self-nurture there are energies there that once activated you are physically going to feel more fatigue on the physical plane because of the electromagnetic magnetic energy being admitted from a planet and when you can align your energy with this And as I said, it's been a private study of mine for um, nine years. And then during COVID, organically, a group of 50 women came together. And still to this day, we meet once a week and we look at the energies. So we know that tomorrow, on Saturday, the moon is going to be void of course, which creates an energy for deep connection and meditation. Probably not the day that you want to clean the house top to bottom and get organized. That's going to be at another point. So, again, that internal-external, we are in synergy with what we cannot see because assumption is jail. The moment we make an assumption, what someone else is thinking, someone else is doing, what an outcome is going to be, we are out of the present moment and we have lost the ability to consciously shape our reality in that moment.
0: So, Kylie, I'm coming back to these, you know, solar energies. It's interesting because our emotional state of being and our mental well-being and and our physical state will all be affected by these. Is that true? A hundred percent. And that is now
1: there are some things in this area of study where correlation does not mean causation, but these are measured electromagnetic energies that NASA has been
0: literally measuring for millennia. So the ability or the necessity of connecting with ourselves to feel into what is going on, while we may not have the information that you have and the study of what's going on energetically from from that perspective, if we are connected to ourselves and we recognize that today today is a low day. Today is a low day. Today is a a me day. I'm not going to clean the house today. I'm not going to run around with the kids all day. That may actually be influenced by forces that are much greater than we could ever
1: imagine. 100%. And Laura, the more kinesthetic the person, the more empathetic the person, the more attuned the person is. This is why since the dawn of time, people have been restless and slept on a full moon. We know that the full moon will move tides across this entire global continent. It's going to have an effect on us too. Statistically, we know emergency room admittance much higher on
0: a full moon, new moons, many more babies are born. Okay, so I have a question for you then, Kylie, and it's a, a personal question, but I feel very balanced on a full moon. Okay, so the full moon is, that is,
1: it means that the energy of release is in a constant flow of being released. So there's a saying in this field of study where the new moon is where you plant seeds Mm -hmm. and the full moon is where you pull weeds. So around that full moon, if you're feeling balanced with it, that would indicate that there is a consciousness that number one the full moon energy is there so you are prepared to meet it it's when we're unconscious to it and it's like why am I waking up at three in the morning and um, again if people want to do a deeper dive into this um, Richard Tarnas the book um, called Cosmos and Psyche And he has actually this year, actually two years ago, produced a 10-part documentary series that goes through every single humanistic uprising since the 1300s and it shows you the planetary alignments. What is so very interesting, on the 7th of October when Hamas um, invaded Israel, that is when the war energies were activated for this cosmic cycle and here we are living it out and I think it's an interesting thing we often think that history repeats itself but it's not man repeats himself not history it's our behaviors that repeats the response to these larger cyclical energies and Laura you know me like every single thing I have worked in in holistic care has been built around let's validate this let's get some proof and that is why my whole life, feeling these energies, feeling other people's emotions, um, even working in cancer care, there can be that intuitive whisper, maybe we need to look at the pancreas. But you can't really say, I'm going to do a blood requisition because I've got an intuitive <laughs> feeling. <fear." laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet.
1: <laughs> you, can now, you can now, and very lucky for me, uh, Dr. Dougal Seeley, who was my superior at the Cancer Centre, took credence in that. So when we can start to listen to our intuition, because as very early on, we are told to shut that intuition down. It's why you may have a child that's got, oh, my God, the child is ADHD and can't sit still. But if you put that child on a walking treadmill desk whilst learning, there's no learning difficulties whatsoever. Energy moves differently and is experienced differently by every single individual. We are taught from the get go to shut down external feedback of energy. And what happens is when we are in a state of controlled response, I believe that is where, um, I believe that is the root of um, autoimmune disease, because it is our parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system that gets locked in fight and flight. We don't have the ability to get back to rest and digest. And then fight and flight exacerbates the unconscious triggered reactionary behaviours that may not be in our best interest. And again, this can happen with incredibly highly competent, successful, well managed lives of people. But it is until we get clear and can actually look at the patterns and behaviours that are playing out in our life. Because what we become conscious to, we can adjust. What we are unconscious to, controls
0: our unconscious behaviors. And I I believe that there's only so long most of us can mask what's going on inside. Now, we can be high-functioning individuals on the outside. Like you said, the universe will mirror back to us actually what's going on on the inside. So we might be feeling like we're holding it all together when it's chaos inside, chaos outside as well. And then eventually we can't, our nervous system cannot continue at that pace for an indefinite amount of time. Some of us longer than others. I mean, my health crisis, my first sepsis was with my son at 24. That was my first bout with sepsis. And my son almost passed away myself the same. I'm not sure that I've done a ton of looking into that emotional aspect. So thank you for bringing that up. Because as you were talking about the experience with the woman that you supported, it, it definitely brought some things up for me. And then and then again, I obviously I, I didn't learn the lesson from that, because I continued to revert back to my normal way of being and stress levels very high. And then again, at 40, my health crashed. So for many of us, the warning signs can be there, Mm -hmm. and but I'll be conscious to them exactly. If we are not taking the time for self care, we may not even see them.
1: And what story are we
0: telling ourselves about the warning signs? Right? Are we acknowledging that they're there, or are we saying, "No, I'm just going to push through"? And and with many of us that I'm speaking with, and many. Women in my circle, you know, strong type A women that are driven, that are pushing through things, absolutely competent, high functioning, pushing through everything at all costs until the cost is our health. And we have to wake up and do things different because we have no other choice. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we could educate people before that happens? so that people could understand, listening to your body is going to help you avoid what many of us have experienced. You don't have to go down the same avenue and have these extreme health crashes because you are taking the time to listen to yourself.
1: And honestly, Laura, I believe that's where, if you have a sacred self connection time every single day and you show up to it fully, And you make that a primary need, just like brushing your teeth, just like showering before you go to work. So your appearance is in order. Why are we not taking the time to put our energetic vibration in order? I mean, not choosing to do that is like turning up to work with unbrushed teeth, unbrushed hair and still in your pyjamas. You'll pull it off, but it might be a bit
0: of a shambles throughout the day. (laughs) <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> no. Kylie, this is always such a deep experience to, to chat with you and to share space with you. And I'm so grateful for everything that you've shared today. There are going to be so many women and men that are going to benefit. Because whether we're female or male, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. We all need to create that sacred space for ourselves. Oh, and...
1: I think just on that as well when we talk about divine feminine and sacred masculine you know since the dawning of time and this comes back to those archetypes that we've grown up with when we have a balance of both and i'm not talking emerging of non-binary i'm talking a balance of two very clear defined positive negative yin yang masculine feminine light dark That is the experience of the physical plane. In the death experience, moving out of this physical plane, there is no duality. The masculine and feminine is the root of the duality. We are the same being, male or female. We will just use different avenues of energy to express that. And I believe that moving forward, there is going to be a very big healing Around gender roles, gender identity. And I don't mean where it is heading at the moment. I think it's going to yeah. come right to center into a very non physical form. If you want to tap into your masculine energy, it's not about physical mutilation, it is about elevating into that higher space and moving into it. And we can talk like this now. Like, as I said to you, I mean, look, you saw me lecturing at the Canadian School of Natural nutrition right Mm -hmm. this is what it is to be all these years later now and talk about oh yeah vibrational energies um masculine and feminine energies movements of the planets and how it physically affects us like I just feel so excited and, and quite happy that there was a lot of fear for me moving into this realm because is it too esoteric? Is it too woo-woo? I mean, you can't get more validated. We're doing all the studies through two universities to show that there is litmus to this. But again, it comes down to people's beliefs. And right. if people believe that illness is servicing them in some way, another example of this that came through with one of the participants is two very very demanding parents and for years she had suffered fibroid myalgia horrific pains in her body crippling um, paralysis from time to time it wasn't until her both her parents passed away that she was really clear of the disease because subconsciously the disease gave her the space that she needed on caregiving them
0: And how tragic it is that we bury things to a point that can be debilitating for oh, ourselves. We're yes, we're
1: completely unconscious of and it's not our fault if we're unconscious to it. But this is where a sacred self-connection time, where we are in conversation with ourselves every single day. What am I experiencing? What am I feeling? And not to the obsessive, narcissistic, it's all about me. No, this is right in the place of neutrality. And incidentally, when we talk about vibration, karma, everything else, there is one space, one space, physical healing happens. And that is when we are emotionally in the space of neutrality, because when you are in the space of neutrality, your mind can't be anywhere else other than the present moment. Laura, the world is on fire at the moment, and people getting pulled to this is right, this is wrong. It is a separation. It makes our energy like Swiss cheese. When you can elevate above that, acknowledge pain on both sides, and then find the place of neutrality within it, that is where healing happens. And as more and more and more people do that, it will continue to spread that energy of neutrality. And I don't believe it's all doom and gloom that everything is predicting, you know, over the next few years. We are certainly moving into a pivotal change in humanity, and this has been proven through our planetary cycles that are shifting over the next three years things that haven't happened in our psyche for 275 years so once in a lifetime experience for all of us that are alive and when we can expand that consciousness beyond what am i experiencing right here right now that i am so obsessed with and we can get into those bigger cycles of self-care, of productivity, of consciousness, of self-awareness, self-responsibility, self-compassion.
0: Yes, taking ourselves out of those societal constructed, very limiting boxes that we have been taught to live in for so long and seeing that there is so much more so much more than we can visually see with our eyes that we need to connect with that feeling part of us in order to really access more joy, more opportunity, more connection in our lives to ourselves and whatever else is out there.
1: 100%. And I have witnessed that firsthand in the last three years with this very small community of women that, as I said, organically came together during COVID to study and align with these energies, it it takes away the shock, the chaos, the ups and downs of day-to-day and allows you to align with the energies. It allows us to be more compassionate to people who if we know there's a high Aries activation, there's going to be a little bit of uh, tension in the air. And if we've grounded and prepared for that, what I believe it does is it makes the individuals that are grounded and rooted into their own energy that is stable and consistent, which incidentally is what precedes safety. And you know these people when you are around them because they feel safe. They are grounded. They are stable, they are consistent, they are reliable. There is a warmth, a sincerity and a genuineness. And when you can cultivate that, by you simply being that energy, people heal in the sphere around you.
0: Changing our own vibration to change the vibration of others collectively. And this is
1: where, you know, for many years it's been this external look of, oh, we are one, let's save the world. No, the world starts saving right mm-hmm. here in that space. Yes. When oneness is experienced within, and I believe it is the consciousness between the subconscious and conscious mind, between the wise inner being or and the inner child, when they are in open harmony, flow and communication, we are in our strongest, most vibrational health resonance. Because you are in the present moment, there is conscious engagement with your physical form. So I know we've covered a lot of wide things there from (laughs) astrology (laughs) to somatic psychology to (laughs) many different areas, but I, I do feel the more wide we can cast our net with curiosity about what it is we are experiencing. And less being myopic myopically like, okay, so I wrote down that today I was burping at around 10, and then by 10 o'clock I had a cramp. And then you know (laughs) I do, I do a wider (laughs) experience of what you are experiencing.
0: Yeah. Yes. That that's absolutely amazing, Kylie, because you no doubt have opened up many channels for people who are listening, people who are searching for alternative ways of viewing what is going on with them and collectively around us right now. And the more that we can connect inside of ourselves and be open to alternative ways of thinking, speaking, feeling, healing, the more that we are going to delve into the root of what is going on uh, with us. 100%. 100%.
1: 100 100 it's curiosity laura it's being curious not caught in the chaos i think there's the difference the minute there's negative emotional arousal we have to ask what am i experiencing why is this coming up you know what am i feeding did i create this anxiety or is this a response to something else and As almost infantile as that sounds, it's not the skills we were given as children. We were taught to override that, not question it, and adjust our behaviour to the demands of the external. And that is great. We need to do that and we need to raise children that way because we need to live in a civilised society. Yet ultimately for most kinesthetic, empathic, clairsentient people, By the time you mature into what they call that third cycle of Chiron entering around your 40s into your 50s, it gets harder and harder and harder to deny your natural vibration. And when we do come into the calling of yes, I know what this is right for me and I choose to meet my needs first. It may upset people around us initially, but let me assure you, when you are meeting your needs first, it is ultimately the best for everyone around you because you are in your strongest, highest vibration.
0: Thank you so much, Kylie. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and your insight. I think you've given us many tips and tools and resources, which I'll be sure to include in the write-up to make sure that people have access to this information I am going to listen to this podcast again and again, because there is so much that I'm going to be able to pull out of it, you know, for myself and in supporting others in their own journey. I can't thank you enough for taking the time today, Kylie. Always, you are such a shining light to me. You know, you've been such a huge support on my journey. You continue to shine so brightly and help others in everything that you do. So thank you.
1: Laura, thank you so much. And I have to say, it is always an honor and a delight to spend time with you, beautiful soul. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Kylie. Thanks for joining me today for Food Feels and Banana Peels. I hope you enjoyed the show and will tune in next week for a new guest, a new opportunity to learn and grow. It's an honor always to be a part of your journey. You can rate this podcast on Apple and Spotify which will help it to be available to more people. You can now check out Food Feels and Banana Peels on YouTube too. Together we can inspire people to make healthy changes and advocate for themselves in a different way. Knowledge is power and I hope you'll share yours. Be well and until next time. So much love.